0: Sometimes it's very interesting to hear someone talk about an industry that they have expertise and experience in. Tristan Poulou is an expert and consultant on the fintech industry. He's also the publisher of a blog, Fintech Review, where he gives his views and analysis weekly. I found this very interesting. Tristan touches on a wide range of topics, such as what score would he give the industry? Will digital or incumbent banks prevail? how do incumbent banks compete anyway? He talks about the state of play in the US, Asian and European markets. And of course, he gives his views on crypto. My reading of Tristan is that here's an expert who will give you an honest assessment of your fintech company and your fintech products. And I absolutely do think it's worth talking to him if you're in the space. I'm sure you'll enjoy this. I apologize for some broadband dropouts, but I just left them in because you can pick up the context.
1: It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales but now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies that's the digital sales channel. At Netzer we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator an MVNO or an eSIM provider We'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk.
0: Okay, welcome to the podcast this week, and I'm delighted to have a Frenchman living in Spain, Tristan Pellou, and he describes his job as Chief Pencil Officer at Fintech Review. So you might see where he's going to go. Um, Tristan, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming along.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Not at all. Um, I think underneath that French accent is a rise sense of humor, which, which will probably come out in the podcast. You have a a lot of background in fintech. You worked, I think, in the UK with uh, Virgin Money, um, but you've set up your own consultancy business. Do you want to just sort of briefly give a background of where you you went and how you ended up here?
1: Yeah, sure. So I I studied in France. I went to business school, studied finance and economics, management, all that. Good stuff. And then I decided, uh, like many Frenchmen to move to London to work in uh, in investment banking. So arrived in, in London January 2015, was an intern in m was quite good fun, actually, working on a few cross-border uh, M&A transactions. And then I landed a job, what was back then the UK subsidiary of uh, Australian Bank, uh, called National Australia Bank. And I stayed there for, yeah, a bit more than five years. It it changed a lot over the years. You went, become Clydesdale and Yorkshire Banking Group, and then Virgin Money. And during all that time, I was in corporate development. So doing corporate finance, corporate strategy. And my last job was to develop strategic partnerships with fintech startups and uh, technology companies. So working with the bank, well, my bank and trying to develop relationships with, with, uh, with companies. And then last year, great timing. I was like, you know, middle of the pandemic, it's the right time to change country and, and, <laughs> and, complete, and leave my job and start a business. So I was like, you know, the stars are aligned. It's the right time. So I left London, moved to Barcelona and set up, a, as you we were saying, a consultancy business. Um, so strategy consulting. And at the same time, focusing much more on my little media on fintech. Fintech reviews, it started in January, but now I'm spending much more time on it. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's good fun. You know, it's kind of the do something you like and you'll never work a day in your life.
0: That's true. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's ever a bad time to move to Barcelona, to be honest I mean, the whole south coast of France and the the um, east coast of Spain is beautiful. So yeah, I can understand your motivation, and your your sort of brand out there for in the market is. I know you do other things, but it's fintech review. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about that. You, I looked at some of your posts, and you've, um, you know, you you have your, and You're an independent thinker about issues in the fintech industry, which is why I wanted to talk to you because I thought you had some interesting things to say.
1: Yeah, so was basically I was trying to find a way to express myself about what what's going on, something I was I was doing, you know, internally. So I was, boring my colleagues and and you know the (laughs) execs and everybody. But this is happening in fintech. This is cool. Yeah, I think the industry is going that way. Um, And at some point I was like, oh, you know, I, I could try to find a platform where I can express my thoughts. So this is what I did by. I was sending up a website and, and I started doing it that way and yeah I'm, I'm trying to that's, that's the main point is I'm trying to give an independent point of view like trying to decrypt what is going on, mm-hmm. connect the dots uh, but in a very uh, opinionated way uh, I, I don't like to be on, on stuff, <laughs> I like to be, Opinionated these like things as they are, right? <laughs> we like
0: we like opinionated, Tristan. So let me let me throw a few questions at you. You know, what what the state of the fintech industry today, particularly in Europe, what what you know, is it it seems to be all pervasive, all powerful. We're getting digital banks, people are moving to more and more mobile payments, whatever. What's your feeling about it? Is it, is it 10 out of 10 for achievement and effort? What what do you think?
1: I think a lot has been achieved, especially the past five years. It's it's incredible when I when I started, and you barely had any neobanks, and now they're all over the place. And you have probably five launching every day. But it, it has a lot has happened, but a lot still has to happen. Because um, I, I think the what, what we've seen so far is is tackling the easy stuff. So a nice user experience a nicer lower fees kind of stuff but mm-hmm. it, the, there's still much to do in terms of you know financial inclusion trying to solve really people's problems rather than simplifying the way they, they manage funds, which is i guess maybe a problem but um, mm-hmm. there's a lot to do and also um, retail is cool i mean helping your everyday Joe is cool, but there is also you can help businesses, and at, at that point in time, it's quite key to try to solve their problems around cash flow, around yeah, I mean invoice finance. Uh, there's uh, so I I see lots of avenues of growth. Uh, I I recognize everything that's been done, you know, payments and yeah, retail banking. It has shaken up the. In most countries, it has shaken up the incumbents, and they've been forced to innovate, which which is overall good for, for mm-hmm. customers. But, but there's, still, yeah, there's still plenty to do, so uh, I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. I would give it a 7.
0: Really? Okay, yeah. I mean, is it the case that every big bank is going to build a digital bank and just own the market? Do you think Revolut and 26, you think they're long-term players in the market?
1: I think it's hard for uh, for a bank to do that i mean the the only way you could do that is by building a bank, sending it up very far from from the the mother ship mm-hmm. and let it be problem is uh it's it's a tough one in terms of it's a tough one to ask the leadership to do that because you're gonna what you say is that you're gonna cannibalize your own business and You know, lots of people internally will not have a good view of doing that. So it, it's quite tough. I think it's not about, it's not because they have the resources that they can pull it off. Uh, mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, all the new players, yes, they will need to show at some point that they can actually be a profi- like profitable businesses, where at the moment, they're very much focused on customer acquisition, lowering the customer acquisition cost as much as possible, basically on growth. but. Eventually, you need to turn into okay. This customer, we've said we've said to all our investors, is worth uh, a thousand euros over its lifetime. Cool. Okay. Now it's about to, Now it's about time to try to make some of that money. Okay. So, but the, the, the economics are in their favor. Is that is the customer acquisition cost of uh, of your typical intake player or the the Ongoing costs are much lower per customer, so if they manage to you know turn on the the revenue side of things, they mm-hmm. will win but yeah. it's you know and at the same time, banks try to lower the cost to be yeah. closer yeah. to so which one is going to arrive first? this is you know this is going to be the race like there is a race of the cost, the race of the revenues, which one will win? I, I'm betting much more on the new players because. I think it's easier to it's actually easier to generate revenues rather than change completely your cost base and, and the yeah. way you the way you operate and all that. This is very tough. Uh, I've I've tried to do it many times. <laughs> so, so it is very tough. Um, so I mean, but we'll
0: see. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe okay, sure. No, but it's the point. Of, no, no, so that's really interesting. So just a feedback to you. The bank, I, we all know the big banks are laying off people, left, right, and center, trying to cut costs. And they're trying to get a cost base down to the digital bank, shall we say? Digital banks already have a very low cost, but not revenue, not revenue per customer. And this is the race that you see. That's probably a, a great strategic view of it. What do you think of which countries in Europe I think that's your speciality. I could be wrong. But well, which countries in Europe you think are here? or should we be looking outside Asia or, or the Americas?
1: So yeah, I think I mean I split it into that. Yeah, you you have the the East, so Asia, doing it's it's a very different market, and then you have the West, so um, Europe and Europe and the US, the markets are are broadly similar um, in Europe. Obviously, I think the UK is is well ahead in fintech. It's been for for years and continues. So like we'll see if it it stays the same with post Brexit and and post pandemic and all that. But it is still far ahead in terms of investments. In terms of many things, you have lots of local champions that have emerged. And I think that it's a mix of many factors. Um, the the regulation is favorable the there is a good mix of t- uh, talents and um, and investments so all the American VCs they've set up shop um, sort of set up shops in, in in London which makes it easier to for startups to access capital um, and and then I mean historically I think it's easy to to start a business in the UK. A these years in other countries um i mean i'm i'm yeah. comparing to france or spain for instance so so yeah i think i think the uk is still ahead the us a lot is is happening uh obviously because also like it's you know you, you have an idea you can raise a lot of money to to just just continue doing it uh, but it's the way also to look at, at the the us market in terms of financial services the same way to look at Europe because regulation is state by state, so it's okay, actually yeah. quite hard but but to be honest, you know you go to California, there is enough money to be made for you to start, and then you can attack another another state, so it's actually yeah. fine uh, but it's a, a bit a similar way to look at China Europe. you start in the UK you want to go elsewhere, you need to look at the regulation probably set up a, a subsidiary well not in the single market but usually with financial services there's not such a single, in a single market it's a bit more complicated than 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 that in, in the end
0: okay no that's interesting i hadn't really thought of it particularly that i know the regulation by uh, state is different and uh, there's no uh, fintech uh, conversation worth to salt without talking about crypto so what do you think? There is—is is, is this a, a, a house of cards? Is going to fall down, or will we all trade in Bitcoin twenty years from now?
1: Um, so, I mean, I think it's an interesting space. Obviously, look at it and, and follow it. Uh, obviously, obviously, hate myself for not. I looked at Bitcoin back in 2011 uh, when it was four dollars, and my. I was studying finance at that point, so I was taking a very traditional way of valuing it, saying, oh, actually, it's worth zero, it's not worth five, four. <laughs> um, I mean, now looking back, I thought, oh, I could have just put, you know, $100 to see see how it goes, and uh, I would have added differently. <laughs> but, no, I think it's interesting as, a, as an emerging asset class, um, I look at it, and yeah, if I look at Bitcoin and then not looking at the universe of cryptocurrencies, I look at Bitcoin and I'm like, okay, it's like gold in the sense that it's worth what other people think it's worth. So I'm saying it's worth a thousand. You're saying it's worth nine hundred. We agree, it's not. It's worth nine hundred fifty. It's kind of the way I look at it. So could it stay around like this as a store of value? Yeah, I mean, why, why not? Uh, I mean, the reasons we we buy many things is that it's uh, some some don't have an intrin- intrinsic value is that uh, you buy a painting because you think it's for something like yeah. whatever yeah. so in, in that aspect i think it can it can stay around will it be something that we pay stuff with or i don't know it's too volatile right now to to be
0: yeah. i
1: don't want to get paid in bitcoin and and then you know oh you're you getting paid worth like a thousand and <laughs> then next week it's worth like 400 right? yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But how do i plan I do I do my financial planning with it so yeah, i I think it's uh, an asset it's yeah. definitely
0: an asset class, but it's not a it's not a money yet Well, that anyway now so let's talk a little bit about your business so if i'm in if I'm starting a, a fintech company i I'll give you a call, Tristan. what can you do for companies that are in the space
1: yeah, so I mean what I do is that uh, I help businesses kind of understand the market they're operating, in, uh, where they're going. So basically I help them with their business planning at a high level. Like this is what corporate strategy is a fancy word for business planning. But it's it's you know trying to get the basics right, which is okay, do your market research. So I help them with understanding the market they're gonna operate in, what products they should launch, um, what are the customers, how how is this all fitting together um and yeah so this is what i do and i do it in a very no-nonsense way uh because by training i'm not not uh, a consultant and so not so much used to to talking bullshit i'm like (laughs) i I prefer to to be quite frank and and sometimes brutal is that you know i don't Mm -hmm. think this product is fit for market or you haven't sort of this this is going to break your business and
0: yeah, that's that's a good point tristan I, I know myself starting companies the worst advice you can get is from friends because they always wish you the best and they mightn't they don't what they want you to succeed sometimes you need that um that sort of critique that makes you think about things more in depth
1: yeah no definitely i think uh, i mean my Maybe it's a counterproductive thing, but my goal is not to get as much fees as possible and then walk away as a, as a house is on fire. Uh, I'm trying to build relationships with people. It's it's an industry I like. I'm I'm trying to build you know long term stuff and and if the business goes from I'm helping them at first and it goes and it's. Uh, Million dollar companies and cool. I mean, for me, it's it's great. And my point is not to yeah to give bullshit advice to everybody and then and then ruin my reputation. Yeah. Uh, because I, my mentor uh, when I started doing advisory consulting told me uh, your biggest asset and currency is your reputation. So. You need to be careful about, about what you do, what you say. Uh, and because, yeah, it can backfire. And it's a very small word. Like, it, yeah. sometimes you realize how small it is. Like, I'm not you know, even talking UK or Europe. That you talk to someone and like, oh, yeah, I know this guy is in San Diego. And like, oh, okay, well, but uh, you're, you're in London and, and you, everybody knows each other. So you don't want to, you don't want to do something stupid. And, sure. And, and then have to flip burgers uh, <laughs> the next week because no one wants to talk to you.
0: I thought <laughs> that going to happen. So how can people contact you?
1: Uh, there are many ways. I mean, I'm I'm all over the place on social media. So LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, by email. Hello at fintechpreview.net. Uh, yeah, and I'm always super keen to talk to people, hear their stories, uh, you know, and, and trying to understand if I can help in any way that can be formally advising them, it can be point, pointing them in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. but that's, that's what I like to do.
0: Okay, brilliant. And on this podcast, Tristan, the guest, nominates the playout song, which is always a little bit of fun. So I'm interested to hear what you have.
1: I will go very classic. That I really like "Princes of the Universe" from Queen.
0: Okay, okay, that's pretty because,
1: good. Because, yeah, I mean, like, how you know, how better can it be to have like your original soundtrack from you know Highlander, which is a good movie, and Queen is your original soundtrack. I mean, Highlander and Flash Gordon were so lucky to uh, have <laughs> uh, Queen as as soundtrack, it just makes it so awesome, the whole, the whole movie, so anyway, that's Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. yeah, uh,
0: well, Queen definitely were ahead in production and epic songs for a long, long time, so uh, yeah, good choice, man, so listen, thanks for being on the podcast, Tristan.
1: Thank you very much for having me, it was, uh, was good chatting with you.
0: All right, thank you. Man. I've been
1: alive for four and a half centuries. I am immortal. He-